Welcome to A Few Deep, a hangout podcast where a guest and I drink multiple styles of beer and talk about this, that, and the other thing. I'm your host, Joe Varga. So come on, let's get a drink. Hello, Saturday. Welcome to the People Podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I said that right. Pretty sure. So what's going on, everybody? Happy holiday season. Christmas is in the motherfucking air. Or something like that. Uh, yeah. How's the holiday season treating you guys? You guys done with your shopping? I pretty much am. I got... Now I have just some stocking stuffers to get this weekend. But other than that, I'm pretty... I'm pretty golden. Um, I think I got everything else. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, uh... Any parties going on? I went to a couple of white elephant parties. We had one at, at the Rose that was fun. And we had one at a friend's house that was super fun. Uh, I forget what we got. I don't even remember. But it was just a good party. You know, I love... I'm actually... Instead of the Secret Santas, I think the white elephant gift parties are more fun now. You know, you just get one gift. It's a secret gift. And then, you know, you people pass it around and... You get to steal it twice, and then then it's dead, and that's it, and you get it. It's fun. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't get crazy. Everybody laughs, has a good time. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, other than that, not too much going on, you know. It's, it's trickling down now out there. Everybody's kind of, uh, like, Palo Alto is super weird uh, during Christmas. Everybody leaves town uh, rather than everybody coming back to town. And if they do, they're sort of not around you know it's very holiday family driven instead of kind of people out and about sort of different uh back home um but yeah but still fun and people are still out and about not not a lot of like super big parties there's a few you know company random parties that are you know i've seen here and there you know a lot of people don't want to do that stuff anymore a lot of get a lot of liability you know get a lot of you know, like uh, groping and, you know, unwanted acts, people fucking up. So they're like, nope, fuck the holiday parties. We're not doing it anymore. Bob fucked it up for all of us. So, yeah, it's kind of that vibe, you know, that feel. But other than that, you know, bacon cookies and, you know, brownie recipes. You know, anybody got some favorites? Um, I usually, I go on a lot of all recipes for stuff. And then I sort of... uh manipulate it or you know if i find a good recipe sort of anywhere um i i sort of always manipulate it but i do the recipe first and then i find out what i don't like and did like can i either add more or change up some ingredients and uh, sort of make it my own but um i think everybody does that for a recipe recipes are usually like a guideline right to you know to get your perfection of your taste i should say right you know, everybody likes a little, I'm really garlic heavy, or, you know, you know, like my wife, she's super hot sauce heavy or very hot, spicy heavy, you know, so if it's spicy, it doesn't give a fuck what kind of flavor it is, as long as it kills your taste buds and doesn't taste like anything. That's why she likes it, dude. So, but yeah, a uh, good segue into this t- podcast is all about cooking and my friends from Ale Arsenal, Sean Singwall and Dan Bascara. Came by and uh, hung out, and we did a couple podcasts on cooking and cookbooks. And um, I did not know that Sean uh, was went to culinary school and all that, which is awesome. So yeah, everybody had a really lot of 
I'll say that. Everybody had a lot of great information and uh, ways that they do things. And I thought it was great. I thought it was a great conversation and super fun. And it's, we never get to explore every single you know detail or element of it, right? Because it's such a big, broad conversation. And you know, it's hard. And it's hard to sit down with two people, and and because you're kind of all over the place, sort of sometimes, and you got to kind of bring it back to where the conversation is, you know. And then sometimes, you know, I might jump in with a, a thought because I don't want to lose it, and I gotta, I gotta stop doing that sometimes. You know, I gotta like. Yeah, let the conversation flow, uh, without without kind of interrupting the flow. But you know, sometimes you can't help it when you have an idea or like a thought, and you're like, yeah, in this and you know, I get it. People do that all the time. It's it's frustrating, and I'm sure it's annoying to a lot of other people. And you know, everybody's got to wait their turn. I, I got to wait my turn. Um, but but other than that, that was a great conversation. A lot of good stuff. If you're into cooking or home cooking or thinking about becoming a chef or you know, doing some stuff. This is a pretty good podcast to listen to. So, uh, this one was good. So, all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy. All right. Here it is with, uh, Sean and Dan. What's happening, people? Welcome to the podcast. My guests today, Sean Singwall and Dan Bascara. How's it going? All right. What's up, guys? What's up? Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks I know for uh, people have some uh, nerve reacting to doing podcasts, but every time I've had a guest, each time they were like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. No big deal. They were like, it takes a minute to get used to your voice, but after that, you're golden. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah. yeah, cool, man. All right, well, cheers, guys. Cheers. The first, we're going to do, uh, first things first, is always beer, and we are drinking the Mankini Double Lines. Is it Double Lines or just Mankini Lines? Mm. Uh, lines. Double so, IPA. Double IPA. Humboldt Sea, Santa Cruz, California. Always good. Yeah. Got this picture of this fucking... This dude, this dog taking his underwear off at the beach. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about some culinary stuff. Uh, how you guys got into cooking, um, maybe your treks along the way, cookbooks, random shit like that. So Sounds good. Uh, you want to start, Sean, or just get a little bit of, a little bit of stuff going on? Um, sure. Like, uh, yeah, like how, when did you start, when did you start cooking and were you always into cooking? Um, started probably when I was in, in high school. Uh, my, my father always would, he was a hard worker, right? He worked six days a week and then on Sunday he would dedicate the day to cooking some, you know, awesome, like, you know, menu item like chipino or something that took yeah. all day and so i kind of attached myself to that and and actually probably the first time I, I i really got into it was we did some high school competition and and we actually won it were my friends and i what, what was the competition uh it was like a kind of like a buy a date type thing where we all showed up group showed up with girls and and 
we had a set menu item. We did some, actually some duck jambalaya with uh, strawberry, uh, uh, strawberries dipped in chocolate and stuff. Oh, so we ended up winning the thing and, and I'm like, okay, I, I think I might be okay at this. And from then on, I, I kind of, you know, played around with cooking and I, I went into the restaurant scene, started bussing tables and... <clears throat> I actually started working as a as a uh, prep cook up at Charlie Brown's in mm. San Mateo, and then from there I went to culinary school and kind of just took off from there. Oh, that's awesome! So you actually took you went to culinary school? Yeah. Uh, how long did you go to culinary school for? Uh, it's it's a sixteen eighteen month program. I went there in nineteen ninety. Okay. Nice. And uh, wasn't sure if that was really what I wanted to do because I wasn't sure I wanted to be stuck in a kitchen. So I, I uh, ended up going to a four-year university in Las Vegas. and So you did that first yeah. as the culinary and then went to Vegas. Yeah, went to Vegas and, and kind of went into hotel restaurant management and thought, well, this is something I'll, I'll, I'll probably follow up on. Yeah. And uh, wasn't too, too serious about it, but... As I got further into it, I, I it, it truly became something that was more than just you know a, a you know a, a weekend thing or just a, like a, it's sort of like a hobby, a hobby where you're you're sort of just cooking you know at home just just to cook. It it started as a hobby, became yeah. a career, and, and now it's back to a serious hobby. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, I know for your birthday just recently, uh, you guys went all out and made a bunch of stuff at your at your uh, your dad's house, right? Or, yeah. Uh, well, and that's kind of my thing is that, I mean, once you're in the service industry, you, you, you kind of never leave it. So, uh, is, it was a ton of work, yeah. uh, to do this, but, uh, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed the whole thing. I mean, I probably walked 30 miles that weekend, just back and forth from the barbecue to the house, trying to, you know, accommodate my friends and have a good time. I mean, yeah. it's it truly work for me, but it was also a passion. Yeah, for sure. I was lucky awesome. enough to be at that party <laughs> yeah it was a huge help um, more than at the party did you guys collaborate yeah a little bit on some stuff yeah yeah i mean uh i brought a nice salsa matcha okay sort of a crushed uh sort of crushed chili oil black garlic okay regular garlic yeah and uh, it was interesting because you had just come back from oaxaca and you had a salsa matcha and, you know, we sort of just gathered around the pool and had a little uh, chips and different different types of salsas. It was really, really I good. mean, kind of our deal together is he, he's a home chef, right? Uh-huh. And I'm a professional chef. And, For sure. And, and he, gets, he gets his... No, but... but no, seriously, that's what no, I love. This, yeah. is, this you, is what yeah. it is. Uh-huh. He gets his inspiration from me and I get my inspiration from him. Yeah, because absolutely. as much as I'm serious about it, he just kind of does it and goes about it. He has a family to feed and that's what he does every day. Right. But he, he truly picks up where I leave off and, and I follow his lead to, to a sense. I mean, I, I'm sure he's like, he looks at the stuff I do and says, oh, wow, Sean, this is, you know, this is great, this is over the top. But I also look at him as an everyday cook and chef and go, wow, you're right there. I mean, cooking is not... We like to think of it as it's either professional or amateur, but there's a big blend in between, and and I think that's where we share our, you know, our, yeah, our th- passion for the the. Well, there's something to be said there. You know, uh-huh. I, I've I've taken a few cooking classes, but never been. You didn't go to, to culinary training. school, right? Uh, I don't consider myself a chef. Mm-hmm. I don't make recipes. You, I'm sure you do, though. Technically, I, I cook. You know, but I, you make recipes follow recipes. or follow recipes. And, but you, I'm sure you have your own kind of. I, I stuff think, yeah i think chefs are like artists they 
develop things, they design things, they, mm-hmm. you know, they make something that no one else is doing. When did you start cooking for you, Dan? So, uh, I, I want to say I, I really started cooking probably in grade school. Okay, so that uh, early. Uh, my mother would call me from work and ask me to start a pot of beans, pinto beans, and I probably still make them the same way. Nice. Shout out to my mother. Yeah. Uh, but even before then, you know, I knew I was interested in cooking. I would look through encyclopedias and read about how to cook an egg. Probably one of the first things I enjoyed. Cooking, cooking an egg or just reading about it? Just re- uh, one of the earliest memories about reading about cooking. Okay. And it's something that I've always liked to do since since then, as, even as an adult. A lot of people ask me, hey, man, you have kids. You know, what, How are you teaching them to cook? And I always say start with an egg. Sure. There's a million ways to cook an egg. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so it was eggs, it was beans, and uh, the first dish I remember, again, from my mom, on the phone, first do this, then do this, then do this. It was a ground beef picadillo. Very simple picadillo. I've eaten picadillo the rest of my life, and it's always had raisins and, you know, uh, much fancier ingredients. But my mom's was very simple. It was tomatoes out of a can, green beans out of a can, fresh onions, and ground beef. Yeah, some canned uh, items are better, I think, uh, than than fresh ones sometimes. You know, like when you make, for me, when you make salsa, I like canned tomatoes, you know. Sure, depending on the time of the year. Yeah, exactly. I I just paid $7 for a can of Marzano's, I think. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So did you get, so as you started developing, did you you cook a lot in high school then too? Or was it like a sort of a hobby? No, no no way. You sort of dialed it back? It disappeared, really. I didn't really? cook at all for maybe 10 years till I was out of college, I think. Okay. And um, probably what brought me back in is another maternal thing. My mom went to New Orleans in uh, 1997 and brought me back a Brennan's cookbook uh, from a famous restaurant there. Yeah. It's probably been there since the 30s or something, 40s. Right. And uh, it was the first cookbook I ever owned. Uh, she inscribed something in there, like "Let the good times roll" or something like that. So, yeah, something uplifting. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, I've sort of always had a Bon Appetit subscription, or later on, Cooks Illustrated. And, yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law always gave me cookbooks for Christmas, and I'd buy a few here and there. Um, but one thing I want to get back to is what Sean said earlier about chef versus cook. I'm glad that came up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really do look at Sean as a chef. You know, he was classically trained. He's got a lot of really good ideas. Uh, I don't put myself in that category. I have a family. I have three or four mouths to feed every night. Um, Whatever's in the fridge kind of goes. Which is an awesome test, in my opinion, of like, anytime you're like, because that's sort of how I started, is just kind of look around the pantry and in your fridge and go, what do I have? What can I use? What can I make? So I'm a little bit OCD. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Waste. I hate waste. Oh, nice. And so. Um, yeah, I don't like a lot of waste either. Yeah, there's so many small victories. You would use that last piece of cabbage from the mm-hmm. from the fridge. You know, I made a Claire bought a roast chicken from Costco or something the other day, and we're all feeling crappy. And I said, I'm going to make a chicken soup. And I was like, Shit, I got to go to the store. I got to get carrots. I got to celery. I got to get onions. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I had onions. Uh, I had a piece of cabbage in the fridge, and um, we just made do with what we had, and but, it turned out great. But that's a sign of a, a, a true chef. It's yeah. like anybody can cook in their own pantry with all their own ingredients. It's the ability to walk into somebody else's environment, see their ingredients, see what you have, We're and, and make, make something happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's the creativity of a chef or a cook or, I mean, the blend of the two. I mean, it's, it's tough to define the difference between a chef and a, and, a, and a home cook because a home cook, I believe, is a chef. Because you have to create with what you have. You don't want to just go down. I mean, and that's part of, like, the cookbooks and stuff like that. When you buy a cookbook, They'll tell you, you got to buy this, you got to buy this, you got to buy that. But a, a true chef is going to be able to take that and go, you know what? I can use this for the, the the acid part. I can use this for the salt. You know, you don't have to just go with the ingredients that are shown in the recipe. You can kind of abbreviate and, and do your own thing. And, and, and that's where I believe a, a true chef lives. And that's that's why I say... Yeah, you know, where you look at me as like, okay, well, you're a chef because you've been you've been classically trained, but I look at you as a chef because you go into your own environment. And you say, okay, I, you know, huh? I'm not going to. The what store are we going to do to make this taste? Yeah, good. what are we going to do to yeah get this out and get rid of this? You know, I was just reminded you asked earlier about Sean's fiftieth uh, birthday, uh-huh. and um, every dish that Sean served, he had a sauce that went with it. And we were there for three, four days, something like that. Three so, long days. So to me, you know, that's a <laughs> <Dude>, long <laughs> motherfucking days. <laughs> 106 degrees it, out. It shows you the amount of preparation of sharpening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Getting the tree cut down. And you got to do prep before that, right? Because you're, if you're doing like, let's say you're doing um, like ribs or something, right? So there's a whole process of seasoning everything like a day or two before, right? Well, and that's and, and I think that's a, the true key to catering or, or to, to cooking is try and get as much out of the way as you possibly can to the point where you're just assembling the ingredients and, and making it happen. And I and I think that's also the difference between chefs and cooks is knowing when to do something and how to actually do it. Sure. Right. So you can. You, I mean, somebody else who made ribs could just grab ribs the day of and like salt pepper and from on the grill or, and assume you know, it came together that day right, which is probably not true right I mean, this is for for that birthday weekend i mean for the three days that we had that weekend it there were four days behind that that prepped that weekend together i mean and and, and not only that thought as well so yeah, you're thinking about it you non-stop to, you definitely have to plan it out well, yeah it's it's natural to me to to think what can i get done ahead of time so i'm not scrambling yeah. to make this easier to, to happen. I mean, we got to a point where we we sous vide like two giant ribeyes, tomahawk tomahawk ribeyes, and mm-hmm. I threw them in. It was 105 out, so the temperature <laughs> I was trying to carry is 125, 130. So yeah. put them in a cooler and, and put an immersion uh, circulator in there. Didn't take much, but I knew I had the time to do that. Yeah. But it also gave me time to do other things. While the ribs were cooking, I could do other stuff and then pull them out. And basically, we took a torch to the things, right? Well, let's be let's be correct. One was sous vide, and two one, were sous vide. One was, one was grilled because grill. well, we broke the bag. Okay. So we we had to grill that one. Right. But, but we had three giant tomahawks, and and and, and, and two I'll be of honest, them were, I preferred the, the grilled one. Did you? Yeah, a little. They were both very flavor. good. But yeah. Okay. 
Uh, did you make a you made a sauce with that too, right? Uh, like a barbecue sauce, uh, or salsa something? verde. I think is what I did, which is like for the a, ribs? like a well, it was it was. It was like a chip. It wasn't a rib. It had oh, a rib. Okay. It was like a glorified ribeye. It was like a giant gotcha. Fred Flintstone steak. Right, okay. So we uh after we pulled it out, we torched it, we got it charred, and yeah. then we sliced it up and then I served like a salsa verde, which is just uh acid, uh like vinegar, uh oil, uh parsley. I think I had some cilantro in there, maybe some capers, other stuff, just to kinda very yeah. easy light sauce, but uh very good for, for stuff like that, like fresh grilled items. Yeah. So I think the highlight of that weekend was the Nong Jim, the Thai. Thai. You it was. Yeah. I thought those steaks were good, but yeah, you, he loves a, the uh, Thai. Sure, Thai, sweet, salty. Yeah. Umami, uh, cilantro. Yeah. The sauce. There's also like some basil. You know that really nice basil? Like if you have like a yeah, Thai, just... like, a, like a drunken noodle or something, you get the Thai basil in there. It's really tasty. Yeah, the sweetness with the mm-hmm. spicy. It was spicy, too. So it's, yeah, a bit of spice. Uh, it's really, really good. All right, so did you... Did, so what What else did you make? That was the first day, right? You, you made ribs the first day. Day or, one, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a, yeah, tomahawk chop... Uh, and the and the non gym no that was was that Saturday? did you guys did you guys have some sides and whatnot or just sort of like made like this is like meat I don't know why I'm having right. a hard time remembering that weekend <laughs> I mean it was well, it I was because it's really hot seventeen margaritas there were so many takeaways um, you know we sat in the pool all weekend it was a lot of fun yeah it was a good weekend um, we did go out to a brewery I don't even remember eating dinner that night really Moonraker. Or, uh, we went we to Moonraker, Moxa, Moxa, and Knee Deep. Knee Deep, yeah. I went to Moonraker. I haven't been to Knee Deep because it's across the street, right? But I exactly. I just didn't go. Uh, we made a point to, to go there, but like yeah. you, Joe, I've I've been I've been to Moonraker six, seven times. Never gone to Knee Deep because <laughs> you know, after two beers, you're like, eh, eh. yeah, yeah. But did you, did you um uh did you make you guys, so you guys made a bunch of drinks, obviously, right? Did all kinds of drinks, margaritas and stuff like that. But you had like you had a very specific menu, right? And spaced out for the day, was that right? So you had like a Friday, um, Saturday, and then a brunch. Right? Sean, Sean had a margarita machine. Uh, this thing was sick. It was about three feet tall. Uh, probably could serve a hundred margaritas easily. And it was uh, definitely industrial. From the minute I got there to the minute I left, we had that thing going. You uh you don't realize when you had we probably had average on seventeen people there and I and I I planned it out as much as I could like okay of course. we arrive Friday we'll have some snacks then we'll go into dinner we'll go to a brewery we'll come back we might have quesadillas at the end of the night yeah uh you can't imagine what happens between Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon till Sunday at ten o'clock in the morning, where people are just like, "I'm Constantly, hungry right now," and yeah. you're like, "Okay." And we, so you we sort of have to have food on call almost. We ended up having food on call, okay. but we weren't. I didn't plan it that way. Okay, I'm glad Sean brought up the quesadillas. Uh, Sean <laughs> bought a uh, griddler thing, like a quesadilla maker quesadilla like a it's like a griddle a, it's like a, yeah a griddle uh-huh. like 12 by 12 sort of thing and um i used to have a maker with the lines 
were like actually cut like out. Panini type it, thing? Yeah, or? and then you could you just close it and it would make the shape. You take it off and then you just cut it. Yeah, quesadillas are underserved. I mean, people don't make enough of them. They're delicious. It's true. They are delicious. Um, anyway, we had... Um, what I enjoyed that weekend is everyone got involved, too. You had people in and out of the kitchen, mm-hmm. helping out. and Well, we had Suhail. Suhail was... From India. Just like, he, yes. I don't think the guy well, ever had a quesadilla, some of the best but he, he whipped out like 20 quesadillas at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was really fun. Yeah. Uh, having everybody. Yeah. We never expected that. Um, we needed that. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Cooking with Sean, and we've done a few things. We did the uh, Ale Arsenal... Friendsgiving a couple times. Oh, that's right. You guys just did Friendsgiving as well, right? Uh, more, most recently, we've done the 49er Yakitori Grill. Yeah. Uh, the other day, so I'm in New Orleans, and I get a text from Sean, and shit, it was 6 in the morning, New Orleans time, which is like 4 a.m. Pacific. Yeah. the hell is Sean doing up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know? Uh, but anyway, he said, hey, have you heard about this book? Speaking of cookbooks, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a yakitori book called Chicken and Charcoal from Hong Kong. Okay, a guy from Canada that opened up a trendy spot in Hong Kong, and all he does is yakitori. Okay, Uh, I shouldn't say that he does a lot of other things too, for sure. But that's like his like uh, known for the yakitori. Known for that. Um, You know, I've never been there, obviously, but you read through this thing, and it's as if. You know, Kanye West invaded Tokyo or something. I mean, it's a really trendy, hip hop sort of oriented uh, uh, cookbook. Is it like so restaurant? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. really. That's what that sort of vibe. But we've done a couple of recipes out of there for the 49er games this year. I bought a yakitori grill, and so this is where I love this guy. He <laughs> he like he'll pick up anything and, and go with it. So. Uh, I think last year, year year before, I t- I talked to him about this uh, this Italian uh, uh, book called The Splendid Table, which is Mario Batelli's grooming book. If if you're gonna come work for Mario Batelli, which you know he's no longer right, right, <laughs> he's he's kind of out of it. But right. anyway, he's a, he's a he's a ba- badass Italian chef, right? Uh-huh. And this was the book they said, hey, if you know this book, you come into my restaurant and I quiz you on this book. You got it down. It's it. So I tell uh, uh, Dan this. I say, hey, man, this is the book. This is the Italian food cooking book. So we start flipping through the recipes, and we come across this. What was that pie? The the unusual tortellini pie, mm. which. It's exactly what it was. The unusual tortellini mm. pie. Which that like, sounds okay. amazing. So it, it it's a, it's a. Tortellini pie. It's like a. So is it a giant noodle tortellini? I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this. It's about 15, 16 page recipe. 15, 16 pages of like ingredients. I'm like, Dan. And how to. And and detailed uh, descriptions of how to well, do it. Yeah. For, it's, it's like. Yeah. It's a process. It's like uh-huh. start three days before. Right. So are you, are you making the noodle? Uh, you make you, the you pastry. You could make the. You could make tort- the tortellini. We didn't make. We didn't okay. do that. Okay. But. Yeah, I bought so it. Just curious. Yeah. So, just curious. Yeah. So, Ale Arsenal's Friendsgiving is coming up. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, Dan, hey, if, if you're worth anything, do this. He's like, all right. Yeah. I thought tough. he was going to take it as a joke. He didn't. He took it seriously. Ooh. And he put out this freaking tortellini pie, yeah. which was, it was like 
I was amazed. It came out pretty good. He's like, yeah. well, I could have done this. I could have done that. It would have been better. The first time I was happy with it. I did right, it again. So, so what's what's in the tortellini pie? Um, well, you know, nothing in it is really uh, so, difficult to make. It's not complex. No. It's just a process. Uh-huh, for sure. Uh, I think I started with making meatballs. Okay, so meatballs. Meatballs. Yeah. meatballs. Um, is it like a is it like a bake like like you would bake like a lasagna? You would bake it. You have to you you put it in a pastry. It's uh, oh, so okay. So it's a pastry. You, you make dish. the pastry and you put a pastry. You fill the pastry with uh, meatball sauce, cheese, parsley, tortellini, uh huh, custard. You have to make the custard. Okay, and uh, you top it all off and you bake it and. You well, slice. Uh, four days later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it sounds like a, a grueling process, but totally worth it. And um, did you make your own sauce and whatnot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the only thing I didn't make were the tortellini. Was the tortellini? So you just bought like bought some uh, the the fresh tortellinis or well, not fresh, but you know, well, kind of fresh. Like, you bought like nice. I bought good tortellini uh-huh. from Woodside Deli in Redwood City. Nice. And. Um, I uh, cooked the tortellini in a broth, so I didn't just... It was like day one, yeah. right? Like, prepare the tortellini. There were layers on layers of flavors. And, and that, I, brought it, I brought it to the Friendsgiving at the bar. Yeah, and see, I think that's the <laughs> I think that's the key, and I think Sean's right when you're saying the cook versus chef, it's still chef-worthy of... People don't necessarily go to layers. Well, the energy. Once you start adding call, layers and layers and layers of yeah, how I, the process takes, that's the chef. I call it energy. Like, if I if I opened a restaurant right now and had to hire a chef, mm-hmm. who has the energy to do it? Or the passion the or passion, the willing to right? do it. And that's really what you want, whether someone's classically trained or not. It's, well, it's not to be intimidated either. I mean, no, it, exactly. It's the ability of somebody to go, okay, they'll take on this recipe. I mean, it's, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you may not have had the information to say, okay, I can try this on my own and do this and be successful. Now you can go on YouTube, you can go on the uh, Food Network. Well, now you got recipes up the ass anywhere, yeah, right? You can, you can find just search recipes. All the information anywhere. I mean, uh-huh. so everything sure. that I went through to 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 be a chef is now available. Not only you know just online, but also videos, all this other stuff. I mean, I, I really want to touch on this. Uh, I'm glad this came up. Um, I probably own 600 cookbooks. Damn, all right. Uh, if you looked at a graph, I mean, it was three to five a year for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then it really exploded over the last two years. And what's interesting about that is over the last two years, I feel you've really seen a trend the opposite way. Uh, most of us have social media. Uh-huh. And um, when you're scrolling through your social media, it's so easy to, oh, that looks good. Click on it, get the recipe, you could save it, you could send it. Yeah. Uh, it's inspiration. Right? It is, to, yeah. To cook something. And so despite having six or 700 cookbooks, if you were to ask me, hey, Dan, 2019, how many times have you cooked out of a cookbook? You'd be probably surprised. Maybe five or less, maybe. Yeah, I would say probably less, you, right? You know, it, it, it's definitely on that end of the spectrum. Yeah, because you have it at your fingertips. I have it at my fingertips, and I love it. I'm proud of all the recipes that I've stored on my phone. Um, do you guys have the app Paprika? No. I do not. Check it out. It's called Paprika. It's a can. It's a very organized app that helps you do your recipes and anything that you find online, you can just download it and it's right there. So all stored onto one app. Hmm. 
It's very good for organization. Like I want to say this. How do, you, uh, do, you, do you cook, Joe? I cook a lot. Where do you find your recipes? Everywhere and anywhere. So my favorite cookbook that I just got, not just got, I got it about a year ago, is by uh, this lady. Uh, you probably know her if you're into the chef world. It's, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher her name. Samin Nostra. Oh, sure. salt. all salt fatties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's one of my favorite yeah. books. So yeah. I learned, I learned sort of uh, how to bring it all. Everything that I've learned over the years, because I've never taken culinary class at all. I took one cooking class and I failed out of it because I slept the whole time. That's another story. But I, that book really helped me bring it all together of the knowledge. Just going like having that epiphany, going I had that duh moment of going duh. You know, I've learned it all. But that book sort of just got lit a fire under my ass going, that's that's the way you should be her, doing it. Her book is very basic on some level. Where very it, basic. basic it, I mean, and it's very complex, too, because uh-huh. when when I work with my chef, we, we he had his ideas, I had my ideas. At the end of the day, when we develop a, a recipe, he would put something together. I'd, I'd say, hey, put this, cook this. Mm-hmm. When it hit the plate, it would take two, three more times before we perfected that recipe. Absolutely. And, and what it came down to was her book is, is it would say, hey, uh, it, it needs more acid. Yeah. It needs more salt. It needs more color. It needs crunch. We were breaking it down to, you know, basics. It, it was, we weren't talking about, you know, the recipe anymore. We were talking about the way it affected the person and how they perceived that item. And and did it balance on the tongue? Did it balance on the bite? Did she distill that down? She did. To, to the she right, did. to the she, right she, four she, components. She, yeah. she took what we'd all been talking about for years in, in kitchen and said, hey, this is what it is. You know, we were all like, okay, it's all magic. This guy's doing this. This guy's doing that. But basically what she said was, hey, you need the balance of the taste palate. You need mm-hmm. the balance of the tongue for a recipe to be to be complete, to be successful. Exactly. And she said the four elements, you know, the salt, fat, acid, and heat. Yeah. That's I mean, it. And a- I was like, you know, I worked in some kitchens and, and randomly, but that just sort of, I needed that basic but knowledge the, that's early a huge on in my life. Thing. That's a huge, huge thing. That's a huge thing. That's where we go from chef to cook is where... Yes. If you go into your pantry and you go, hey, you know what? I don't have champagne vinegar. I've got apple cider vinegar. Well, that's the acid. Yeah. That's what you need to balance that palate. You you don't have to run to the store for this. I mean, absolutely. I don't know how many times I, I, I've taken a recipe and gone, okay, and especially the Asian recipes where you, you know, yeah, like I'm, I'll go at five different stores. And I'm like with my phone. Hey, can you help me here? Can mm-hmm. you? And they don't know what it is. What resonated for me was the acid part. Yeah, uh, I realized I'd really been missing that out of my cooking. Even a simple salad, yeah, yes. goes, oh, goes yeah. to another well, level with it, the right it, amount. You're probably of acid. right. That's I mean, salt's the big one, but acid's probably the forgotten one. Is if people don't want to balance their, their food with acid, mm-hmm. I mean, and even on the simplest dishes, just a little bit of vinegar or maybe a. Uh, 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 a last minute squeeze of lemon juice on on the final plate. Exactly, it, it really brings structure to the Where does the sweetness fit in all this, though? You know, it seems to be missing from the equation. Uh, so sweetness, and she doesn't really talk about the sweetness at all. It kind of just. She's talking savory dishes, though. I mean, she's yeah, not this is like her, a this is like chef. this is like basic cooking. 
101 that you need to know of all the other things you've ever learned in your life. You it, this this just kind of brings it all together so, by going like, why wasn't I never salting the water? Why wasn't I ever uh, uh, putting acid in things? Why wasn't it? There's not the right fat content. Like, what's going on with my well, stuff? So, some people are going to know Randy to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I'm glad to say I've written down a couple of Randy recipes in my phone. Mm. And one of them is black bean recipe, which I probably made three or four times. Okay. And uh, one of the key ingredients when you talk to Randy will be the sweet element. you got to add some, sh- some brown sugar. Wow. And uh, each time he tells me about it, he always says, don't forget that damn brown sugar. So there, there is, uh, you know, it's a, it's part of the any recipe. I feel. No, I, I, uh, I'm actually happy you brought that up for sure. Uh, it's kind of with Asian sauces too, right? If you make an Asian sauce, they always add honey, brown sugar, you know, and they get that sweetness. Sugar. But not everything, not everything. Also, uh, in cooking and sweetness too, because I cook with a lot of wine and beer. I don't know if you guys do the same, but. If you make like, you know, some kind of, uh, even pasta, like pasta I'll make with a wine, you know, like, you know, the pasta sauce. Yeah. And that gets that, that sweetness and cooks all the alcohol out and it leaves in for that flavor. Last Sunday, uh, I made a beef stew. Okay. Perfect. And with a bottle of wine and a um, bunch of miso that had sort of a sweet umami to it. Okay. And uh, it's a wonderful recipe. Uh, good fall, yeah. football all day, you know, sort of thing. You get that nice winter uh, beef right. stew. Is, beef stew is one of my favorites to make uh, in the winter time for sure. Um, so was it? Did it have like a nice sweetness to it? Like, did you do like the same like carrots? Well, you got to have that. What? What? What's bacon, the, carrot, barley. You say time. bacon, bacon, carrot. Okay. I don't know why I said barley, but bacon, carrot, parsley, uh-huh. thyme. Uh, miso. Uh-huh. I, I probably overdid it on the miso because when it was just the dregs of the stew. But is that your own recipe? You've d- you, uh, you come no, up with no. something you... I came up with. On okay. Boneappetit.com or something. Okay. No, it's cool. Uh, I, I wanted really this year to kind of give up social media and go straight out of the cookbooks. Uh, I think it'd be a good goal to have. Well, Dan, I, Dan, I think you have the tools. Is what I is. I, I want you to just do one of your own things of putting it together without even looking. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, yeah. what are the things? I mean, I'd like to hear from each of you guys. Yeah. What are the things that you cook? I mean, what are the things that you don't need a damn cookbook? You don't need the social media. Well, it's the same. I'd say like uh, something you've cooked maybe a hundred million times, right? Now, you, you might know the recipe by heart, but... So recipes are like a guide, right? But you might, Sean so might what, say. Let me, let me say a funny yeah. story. Uh, I a lot of my friends remember me for my chilaquiles. Mm, all right. You know, Mexican pe- uh, peasant tortilla. It's yeah. Salsa dish, right? Yeah. It's literally, three to five ingredients or less. Uh, and to be known for that, people see me. They run into me. Hey, yeah, how I remember you made those chilaquiles in nineteen ninety nine. Um, what's funny about that to be known for that dish uh, and I do make them uh, several times a year I always make them different I've never made a chilaquiles dish the same way and uh, it's so funny I mean eggs are kind of the same way I I never make my eggs the same way do you? 
Uh, me, I make my eggs always the same. Oh, way. really? Scrambled egg? You make the same damn way every time? Yeah. I change my fucking process all the time. Well, I change my process with what I have with my eggs is the thing. My <laughs> eggs are always the same. But it, you know, whether it's an egg with a sandwich or if it's like a... Um, it's how you're going to use it. Right. Exactly. And But my eggs are mostly... And unless I make them for Laura, then I change it up, right? So, uh, you know, hers might be over easy. And I hate over easy eggs. But hers is gonna be over easy, so I'm like, all right, I gotta perfect. You get the flip down. I got, well, I do and I don't, <laughs> so I hate doing it. But uh, I'll also just lit it sometimes. Oh, there you go. And it'll it'll okay. coat it. Well, that's not true. <laughs> it isn't right. You're you're correct. I'll accept it. You're okay, correct because right, it sucks. <laughs> I uh, flip mine every morning. No, it's perfect. I just have a yeah. These are all fidget tools too. By the way, you all can right, if cool. you want to squeeze some shit or. So, so what are the things, man? What, what are the things? So for me, it's chilaquiles. I always make. Well, what see, are I, the things? I, I I personally think that you, as as a family cook, you have go to recipes. Right. I don't have a go to recipe. There's certain things that I. Yes, I, you do. No, there's certain things to. that I can make, like on Sean, a whim. We talked about, but this. I change it every time. Okay. I'm always doing something different for Joe's myself special. because. Okay, Joe Special. Joe Special. Oh, come on. Joe Special. That's so basic. Joe, do you know Joe Special? No. Oh, my gosh. What's from the... original Joe's. Eat at Joe's. It's a you're, not from the, Joe's. you're not from San Francisco. No, no, no. I'm it's, from New Jersey, so I have a different Joe's. I, I have a bunch of Joe's, but Joe's is Listen to Sean. Okay, go ahead. It's, it's very basic. Actually, it's a very healthy okay. keto diet right. where you just... You, Saute ground beef. You add some spinach in there. Add some eggs. Add some cheese, and then it's a kind of a stir fry type thing. Okay. Say it one more time. So original Joe's ground beef, ground beef, spinach, spinach, spinach. eggs, eggs, and cheese, and cheese. No onion, no garlic. I, all that is add-ons. Yeah. Okay. Well, but yeah, I do. But that. that's the big but, thing. But that's, that's the basic. So the big thing Joe's is special. well, the big thing too is to season the meat, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, I do salt. Beer, you know, I, do, I, I, I sure. play around with that recipe all the time. But that's what people are missing. That see, there's where chefs, and you're gonna know that because you're a chef, right? So you're just be like, the knowledge that I take from here, other people are gonna be like, ground beef, uh, spinach, eggs, cheese. But they, and then they're gonna not know and realize things that uh, salt comes from the cheese, but they also need to salt sure. the salt meat. And then you let the the, the meat I, actually I take all come, that for granted. Come to, that, that come to temperature. I right? assume that that right. if you handed me a list of ingredients, yes. I would be able to throw it together in a pan and make it uh-huh. taste flavorful for sure. I I understand that. Is that yeah. not everybody? Well, can do you're, that, you're like you said, you're 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 above and beyond. I'm I'll tasting the food that is cooking. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt that Sean's Joe's special is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But what is it <laughs> about? <laughs> Joe's. When you go to Joe's, and you get there, Joe's special. Well, you gotta wait twenty minutes. You gotta wait, but it's fucking good. You know, I don't know. It's the ambiance. It's the they have the right temperature. Yeah, uh, it's fucking great. Uh, I want to hear from you, Joe. What, what's your go-to, man? What do you cook? It just depends on. So my breakfast go-to is sort of a huevos rancheros that me and Laura have sort of dumbed down and just went with. And it basically is black beans, bacon, eggs, sour cream, guacamole. No tortilla. There is a tortilla. 
There's a tortilla uh, on the bottom. There's always okay. a tortilla. There's a tortilla on the bottom. Okay. Or sometimes we might just have tortilla chips, and we're like, fuck, throw tortilla chips on the bottom, blah, 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 blah. But the bacon has to be there, and then we make a salsa. So I'll make the salsa, and then that is the sauce for everything. So there's no... So let me ask you guys, are you guys routine every day? Do you guys no. wake up every day with, like, a go-to, like... See, every morning you have to, like, get out of bed and go somewhere, right? You, well, is I got to do something. How right. do you... How do you progress at so, it? Is, so, it? is this like something that you wake up, you have something in your fridge, like, I'm just going to go to this I, nine out of ten times? Or is it, it like you wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to Jamba Juice, I'm late. I, uh, I, I'm i glad you asked that. I, um, I, I don't, I'm i the kind of guy I don't mind going to the grocery store. I really On do not. On Wednesday morning. I do not mind going to the grocery store. I go every day. Thank you, Joe. Give me give me a pound. Hey, pound. I go, good chef goes to the grocery store three times. Great chef goes ten times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Absolutely. So one hundred percent. So that that is the base that I don't mind doing that, and I don't want to waste. So a lot of it is I have to see what's available, what's left in my fridge. Okay, I have this. I have chicken, or I have. We're talking about like beef. a Monday. And a, sure, a Tuesday, sure. Wednesday. So I look in my fridge and I say, these are the. You know, here are the ingredients that I see. Okay, if I add a cabbage to that or I add, you know, uh, a bell pepper to that or this is what I can do. And so I love being able to sort of close the deal that way. See, I wake up in the the morning five days a week like, okay, like. You're you're going to change it up. No, no, not only. I just, I have to get out the door. I mean, like, I... I so you don't I, even have time to make morning, breakfast. No, it's not even that. It's okay. just, like, I don't want to think about it. I I move from the bed to the door, like, without well, my mind. You, you and know. so I'm, I'm, like, thinking of recipes or things that I can do that just take no effort. I've already got them almost pre-planned, or they're very simple in the fridge that I can just walk out the door. It's Versus, interesting. Well, so, so what is your breakfast like? Uh, you know what? If I got some time, I'll, I'll uh, cook some bacon, flip some eggs, and and serve it on a tortilla. That's okay. that's like a perfect breakfast. For, sauce? For me. No sauce? Ketchup? No, it's no. This is just just straight up. You no know, sauce, three just... ingredients, four ingredients out the door. Right? So most of the time, I eat cereal. So that's quick and easy. There you go. Done. Like you don't have to think about that. Nope, don't think about it. I wake up. I have. Regular milk or almond milk, whatever it is. I have some uh, Cheerios. That gets you out the door. So that, that's, that's, that's where, different. That's, that's where different. I mean the Saturday is where my huevos rancheros come in for breakfast. Yeah. And it took me a long time to just develop the actual ingredients that I like and everything that I make to perfect this particular huevos rancheros, right? And, you know, searching the bay and just eating at random places for breakfast, being like, this one sucks, that one sucks. It's good, but what did I like about it? That one's good. I don't like the pinto beans. I like the black beans. Uh, they use a different kind of cheese. I don't like a lot of cheese, but I like a little bit of cheese. I want this kind of sauce. Their sauce sucks. What's about it that my sauce that I like? You know, I want some heat. There's no heat. I need so. Have you guys noticed a phenomenon with breakfast places? I see so many uh, breakfast restaurants with lines out front. People like to go out for breakfast and basic people breakfast. People like lines. They, they don't. I don't. I don't think they're there for breakfast. Right. I think they're I mean, there to stand in line. If you can do a, a decent breakfast and you know have people leave there full, they will wait in line for you. Think about that. 
They do so well. Um, what we're talking about is a little different. I actually don't do breakfast unless I have a heavy drinking night. Uh, I'll need something hot in the morning. So I'll usually walk into the cafe at work and order eggs and tater tots or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, menudo, of course. Yeah. You know, I crave menudo. All right. So, okay. So we, I think for a lot of people, breakfast is a hard one. You know, you're out the door. It's tough, you know, especially on a, on a work day, regular day, Monday through Friday kind of a thing. You know, we got cereal. We got, you know, just kind of throwing together bacon, some bacon eggs real fast. Things you don't have to think about that are just like, duh, 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 duh. Let's During go- the week, that's me. On, yeah. on a Saturday, like a hungover Saturday, it's probably not cooking. Mm. Is there a restaurant or a place that you... You go to on a Saturday, like, but that's like, the thing. I mean, like yeah. for me, it's like he said, like menudo. Like that's like, yeah. that's the thing for me is like to go to a place where you're trying to help yourself. I guess with mm-hmm. food. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna introduce this real beer real fast. The second one we're having is uh, this uh, Hugo Nuevo or Nuevo. Sorry, Hugo Nuevo Hazy IPA from Discretion Brewing, and that's also in Santa Cruz, I believe. Discretion. Yeah, discretion. Oh no. Sequoia, Sequoia, California. When I first saw the can, I thought you were trying to connect the uh, five point six, the egg discussions we've been having. No, it, it kind of looks like that. Looks yeah. like a hard boiled. Uh, it does. It, uh, Hugo Nuevo means new Hugo. Yeah, new, new juice. New juice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Nuevo, new juice. Hugo Nuevo. Um, so I'm so glad to have a beer. You know, a, a good beer. I was traveling to New Orleans last weekend. And uh, the beer wasn't great. You know, they you saw a lot of Abita beer, which is probably similar to Lagunitas here in the West Coast. It's just sort of everywhere. And uh, we finally did have a good beer at a restaurant in sort of uh, west of the French Quarter, uh, Parish Brewing. And it was the first double we had all weekend. And... Um, it was a really good, smooth double. Cheers, guys. Uh, but most of the beer was shitty. So okay. it's, it's, it's good, to, good to be behind. It's good to be back in the West Coast to have you yeah, get some good beer. good beer. Yeah, It's good. I like that one. So much things to talk about, right? It's good. It's, uh, Absolutely. There's a ton. Of, I, and that's the thing with the podcast. It only go, it goes so fast. Um, There's so many things still to talk about. Yeah. So, um, let me ask you a go-to cookbook. Do you have one? So is there the, one that you rely on? Is here, here's one, a, I'm like, going to answer that. Fundamental cookbook. I'm going to answer that. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to answer it. You know, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I don't know how to pronounce the name of the book. It's okay. Uh, I think I have it here. <laughs> I got it in my bag right here. Uh, Les Halls, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it. Bourdain, huh? Uh, the, it's the, his book or the, a book he recommends? Uh, it's a book that he ran a restaurant from. And uh, one of the one of the things I like to do is collect restaurant cookbooks. Uh, this weekend it's in, a good one. in New Orleans, I picked up Tadich Grill, which is in San Francisco. Nice. There you go. And uh, picked up a Pekayun Creole cookbook. But I also picked up... Um, yeah, some other random one. But I, I love cooking uh, restaurant cookbooks. Yeah. But Les Halls, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, it's, it's in Manhattan. Anthony Bourdain. 
And he have, worked there, or that? Uh, I, I don't know the history, uh, but surely is connected to it. But what's interesting? I mean, uh, Anthony Bourdain uh, is from uh, Hell's Kitchen, basically in New York. New York, yeah. So he always worked in a lot of those restaurants, and that's kind of how he became the big entity that he was. Uh, I normally mark all, each recipe I try with a post-it. Okay. So I have the cookbook, and I'll put a post-it on it. Uh, last year, mind you, last year, and I've cooked two or three times out of that book since. Okay. I counted 12 or 13 post-it notes. Easily, probably, the book that I've cooked the most from. Okay. Really? Um, my favorite is the Brennan's. I mentioned that earlier. It's, yeah. Uh, iconic because my mom gifted it to me. Uh, what I'll say about Brennan's that I love is that it's just ingredients and steps. There's no damn pictures in it. You have to read the list of ingredients. And, and it's read New Orleans style, right? Yeah, and it's very simple. Yeah. Very simple. Uh, so those are probably the top so two. Would you say that's your go-to cookbook? If you, if you had one? that If you just have one I mean, out of 600 that yeah, you have. Yeah, the Brennan's yeah. would be the number one. <laughs> if you could... The Brennan's would sure, certainly be the number one. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot that I want to get into, but it's it's just not possible. Um, how about you, Sean? What's yours? Um, well, also coming out of culinary school and doing all this stuff, and then having a cookbook. You might say a scoffier or something tr- is there traditional. S- well, is there something that... Just happened to have that book here. <laughs> is there a cookbook that just you were like, this is my Bible cookbook? Discoffier. Uh, what is it? We didn't Dis- set that up either. I just want to say. Discoffier? I was joking. And he- so, well, I'm not joking. He's not, yeah, we're fucking serious. <laughs> we're serious on this fucking show. So, uh, this book is is the beginning of the beginning for the brigade. Well, actually, I wouldn't even say this is the beginning because he, he follows up on a book from Karem, which mm. is the basis of French cooking. Okay. So what he did was he codified the the five mother sauces in this book, and and it's a very it's a very old book to that degree where it. What year did that come out? Does it say? Uh, I have some notes here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I own an Escoffier book. It, it's when I first started researching books. You know, I knew I I had few books uh-huh. i had a bon appetit subscription and i got into lists right what are the best books if i want to start collecting and the scoffier was and la gastronomique right those are the la top, those are the this, two top so two books this used to be on there and now it's no longer now it's like beyond that now it's like in the last 20 years but this is the book that kind of started out like it broke down french cooking you can't use this book today you, you really can't. You could read it to read it to, to kind of... Let me see it. It's very, it's very nostalgic looking. It's 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 tethered. Well, not only that, well, this has been in a five-car uh, pileup, so it's, it's been thrown out of a vehicle. Which is awesome. That adds to the character of yeah, things. That's, that's one binder. Yeah. No, it's definitely... we got to take a picture of that for sure. It's got this... Uh, but this very is, old feel to it. Yeah, I, I'm trying okay. to understand if, why if you, you can't read, cook out of this. Um, if you read this, the looks recipe, very legible. First of all, so the five mother sauces, uh, I would say 
there's probably only a couple that are still made today. Did like, you say five mother sauces? The five mother sauces, which okay. all the sauces are, are based out of from French cooking. Uh-huh. And, and I think they're, they really don't exist anymore. Like sauce tomate, everybody tomato sauce. Uh-huh. That's pretty basic. Bechamel, still used today in lasagna. But sauce velouté, which is, it's, it's, it's a roux and, and a stock. Nobody okay. uses that. It's kind of a heavy sauce. You've got sauce hollandaise. Nobody does hollandaise anymore for the most part. I've had hollandaise before. Uh, Real hollandaise? I don't know. My friend had made it. He's a chef as well, but uh, I'm not positive. The thing with hollandaise is like you're you're whipping eggs with butter, and you're not quite getting beyond the cooking temperature of eggs. So the the salmonella Mm -hmm. thing could happen. Right, you could be fucked for a so, minute. Yeah, you could be <laughs> for a couple You're shitting days. for a while. So, uh, sauce espanol is like a brown sauce. So, there's of these five sauces, maybe tomato sauce and bechamel are still actually used today. Hollandaise is really not used. Espanol, not much. And you don't see velouté at all. But he, basically, he took this, this book from Karam and, and made, he codified these sauces to become. You know, the book of French cuisine moving forward. Gotcha. This book is way outdated. Right, right. For sure. Yeah, yeah. But still considered the Bible. So right. if, if you wanted to like... So so why was it taught to you that if it's so outdated? Don't you think it would permeate and big, sort of sustain no, it's, its, it's, done. its I mean, value? It, it's, it's done. It's... it's. Yeah, it's, it'll, it'll go out once in a while. Cooking, cooking has changed so much. It's, it's not a... It's not about this book anymore. It's a progression. It's really it's, right. It's very much a progression. It's, but it's a basis of where we came from, where French cooking came from, and, and that's what I like about history and about the books. Is like, this is this one might be outdated, but there might be some gems in there that people just like won't do anymore, right? And that have like come a long way that people have forgot about just cooking. Well, part of this book too is about the brigade of of of, you know the the. The labor that they had available to themselves to cook these dishes for the the yeah. royalty and the luminaires to to provide cuisine for. What do you mean when you say brigade? There's an army of cooks that. It's like how to run a kitchen. Great. Yeah, the the obviously we know what labor's doing to to any kitchen today. It's like it's not available like it was back then, and I mean even when I was being taught. You know about cooking. They told us this book was outdated. You can't do this anymore. You can't do this with the amount of people that they allowed to make these recipes. Hmm. But I mean, this is where it starts from, right? Now I like that. It's like you said. It's sort of a Bible, or sort of like, you know, sort of. Well, like, I mean, uh, and what is a Bible? I mean, do right. I mean, do, if you read the Bible today, and I mean, I'm like. I don't want right. to get into no, the, no. the Bible, but Dumb the, the shit, reality but... is, like, it doesn't make it doesn't transfer to today's. Experience. Yeah, I, I only say Bible because I mean it's something of like true to you, I guess. Like, but it, a, a, but it a, is. Yeah. I mean, but, but, that's, yeah. that's what it is. It doesn't make sense today, right? But it's where we came from, right? And you, you sort of tra- almost like retranslate it's a part of the process. It. Yeah, and you, you sort of retranslate it into yeah. your scripture now of, of cooking. It's I mean, like, I wouldn't do this now, but I would add this, yeah. this, and that, and this is what I would do now. 
the they might not have done that then because it wasn't accessible, right? They yeah. would be like, this wasn't... And you wouldn't have ten people to make a sauce. Right. It would, like, takes one fucking person to make a goddamn yeah. sauce. Well, depending either on, that or you know, you're out of business. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. If you can't make a fucking... A grandmother can make a sauce, but, you know? But, yeah. No, understood, for sure. Um, all right. Well, we're we're almost about to take a break, you know, about uh, seven minutes or so. Let's uh, let's go through uh, some... some Since it's about Christmas time... Some quick um, Christmas uh, meals that maybe you would you like for Christmas or you've been through, uh, like your holiday meal. Well, we got to start with yeah. tamales, right? Tamales, for sure. Okay, so tamales <laughs> are your, your Christmas thing. Yeah, and sadly, I, I've never made them because my family always made them. Okay. Uh, but That's th- a Christmas tradition, right? It is. Like, yeah, yeah, I got to keep and the it going. the ladies get together? My mom keeps it going. So okay. Yeah, uh, thank goodness for moms. Um. It's funny. I was in Costco yesterday and I bought a bunch of, bought a bunch of tamales, and they're great. I mean, you have to have them. I mean, yeah, it's, tamales are amazing. It's a holiday tradition. It's a time of year. Um, yeah, I mean, um, that that's. Uh, so, so, so you guys, really so you guys have tamale. Is that like the main dish? Do you have like some other um, sides and whatnot? As you keep going uh, on? Sure. I mean, beans and beans. Uh, have you heard of atole? What is it? Atole. atole. It's atole. Like a, the corn, like the... It, it's got masa, yeah. Masa, like hot chocolate with masa. Hot chocolate masa. Okay. No, I haven't heard uh, that. I think you can get that out of a trunk at a laundromat across <laughs> from uh, Harry's Opera. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the traditionals. Okay. Yeah. How about you? What about you guys? I have no traditional Christmas recipes. I mean, we've, we've Thanksgiving's the big one, right? So Christmas, we try and do like a standing rib roast, like that's like the prime rib time. But okay, I don't I prime don't, rib. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. I don't, I don't. My family is is more uh, Thanksgiving oriented, and, and and after that, I think we kind of like Christmas is. It's not a huge like. Uh, do you guys all? Do you guys both do turkey traditional Thanksgiving or yeah. do you do, okay? Well, yeah, definitely. Well, we okay. did a turkey and a ham this year, but that's always my Christmas is turkey and ham. Right. But you more so, turkey on Christmas too. yeah. But more so, ham on Christmas. Yeah. Well, one of the things Sean inspired me on actually was making turkey. It's kind of fun to make a turkey, you know. And then you it's have, very fun. You you have the turkey the days after Thanksgiving. Well, I, That's I, where the soup comes in, the, right? And you know the sandwiches. Sandwiches. Yeah. Joe, I've been doing I've been doing turkey for twenty years, wow. family or not. Just right. To cook just, a bird, just to do it, it's man. Five bucks. Right. It's whatever it is. I just cook it. If I if I ruin it, I ruin it. Fuck it. it. The worst case scenario, I have sandwiches for the next five days. Yeah. Or some soup you can make a stock yeah. out of, right? You, you can do all the leftovers. Well, I, I so pay, one day I will, I will encourage any cook to just grab a bird. I was looking for and, those five dollar birds by for, the way. for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I made uh, a. I, I paid about forty or fifty for my diesel bird from Lucky's. Or you can do uh, yeah, Whole Foods is like sixty bucks for. But um, this on the this year I tried uh, Salvadoranian turkey. Salvadorian turkey. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, really a braised turkey and um, tomato, tomato, roast tomato, uh, roast pumpkin seed, sesame seed, and chilies and yeah. onion. And it's uh, braised for three to four hours. And it comes out really, really succulent. Um, okay. 
and uh, enjoyed that. I'll, I'll probably do that again. Do, do you do a brine and, and whatnot, right? Do you sure, do yeah. Brine for two a, days? A, a garlic, wine. I don't have the room for a brine. <laughs> no? You don't do a brine? I did well, it here. It, it yeah. takes like a five-gallon bucket, right? And you got to reserve it. can, depending on the bird. cooler. I had a cooler. I, a dry I did a cooler. Like you a very small cooler, actually. As for a chef, you know what I do? I break the freaking bird down. There you go. I, I, I uh-huh. part it out, and I like roast it off. Like in an oven for okay. me, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I'm not trying to pull a bird out to like put it on a table and go, "Hey, this is the, the big bird." Thing. Yeah, right. well, no, I'm just like cooking it for sandwiches. I'll have to invite you guys over for uh, Salvadorian, yeah, turkey tacos or something. Yes, I didn't absolutely. get the invite this year. <laughs> I have half a bird and uh, vacuum seal ready for you. Nice. No, I usually, yeah, yeah. So I, for me, I usually for Christmas, I'll put my Christmas ham out there. My mom. Used to just kind of buy a ham and uh, toothpick pineapples all over it and cover it. Okay, in ma- yeah, and cover that's it traditional. In, cover it in maple syrup. Yeah, and then but we'd put it on you know a roasting pan and then the bottom would drip all the juices on the bottom. Two years ago, my and that dad, would make the gravy out of that. Two years ago, my dad made a ham for Thanksgiving, and uh, boy, I've never had a ham so good. Mm. Oh, uh, I wish that I could have asked him how the hell he made that ham. And I feel like I did. I feel like I asked him, hey, Dad, what was where did you get ham, your man? ham, man? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, he told me where he got it, but he didn't tell me where he made it. Right, right. Uh, but what he did to But do, it was yeah. so delicious, man. I mean, people that don't even eat ham were eating ham that day. That's the thing. Like, obviously, we eat pork a lot throughout the year. Right, we got you know carnitas, we got you know bacon and whatnot. But there's something about a giant fucking ham right. that's just great to eat <laughs> during that season, and I love it for Christmas. I fucking do. The ham is amazing, and I love that that pineapple sweetness of the syrup, and then you get that saltiness with the ham, and then the gravy drippings, and then you'll make the roux and all that stuff, and just boom, it comes together like fucking gangbusters, dude. I've only had bad experience with ham. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I bought one one year and canned ham. No, no, no just regular ham. like hanging in the bag. Uh-huh. Like it's like yeah. first of all, it wasn't refrigerated. That should be a warning to that is anybody. a warning it's sign. Like, yeah. Why is this thing not refrigerated? Yeah. So I bring this thing home. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Like soak it, boil it, <clears> do whatever. Yeah. I serve the thing out. Oh, salty as all hell. Like, Interesting. My family, everybody's in front of me, going, "This is inedible." Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I've actually never had an inedible ham. But have you had one that's hanging? Nope. Dry, that wasn't refrigerated and dry. Refrigerated. Okay. Well, no. But, but no, I, I understand right. the dilemma you, you for sure. You now have a challenge. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to eat it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't either. I will never go there again. I just like, I won't even look at ham anymore. No. Sean, you know they sell dry hams for hundreds of dollars per pound. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. Well, it didn't matter. But well, my philosophy... I thought I could do it. I have, I have a philosophy sort of that I sort of live by, not always, but don't let one bad experience ruin the rest of your life. Okay. I'm going to... I feel that way about I mean, me. I'm trying man. to work through that. Then. <laughs> no, for sure. You know what? You know what? I'll be back. I'll get that. Good, good. Because I think... Because you eat bacon. You eat pork. You eat a lot of shit, right? So it's like... I expect but I feel it to be like, salty. But not as salty where it's uh, inedible, right? It was inedible. You want to have that ham being like 
this is the juiciest, <laughs> sweetest, saltiest thing I just fucking gobbled up. Like, it's perfect. That's what you get out of a ham. Like, if you do a ham right, like, that's that's the deal right there. But, yeah, I can see All right. that. All right. That's so that's my Christmas channel, thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. that's kind of, uh, you know, back. on that level, you know. All right. Uh, you guys ready to take a break? Yeah, Bill, please. All right. Good. Yeah, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be back next week on some uh, New Year's uh, maybe traditions that people have and, and food and some more about more cookbooks because we didn't talk about a lot of cookbooks, so. No, we do. Good got so much right. to talk about. Man. All right. We'll be back late. All right. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Tune in next week for round two with my friends Dan and Sean. About more, We're going to talk about more cooking and uh, all their favorite cookbooks and maybe some uh, chefs too, I think. Um, I want to thank Dan and Sean for uh, taking their time during this holiday season to come out and hang out and be on the podcast. It was super fun. Um, guys, check out a few deep.com. Um, donate to the beer fund if you guys want or check out the merch page or just look for any updated information about the podcast. Um, also, thank you to the Rosen Crown in Palo Alto, Ale Arsenal in San Carlos, the Willow Market in Menlo Park, and Jane's Beer Store in Mountain View. All great places to get great beer and maybe meet some cool people in the industry. Um, that's it for uh, this podcast. Hope you guys have a great Christmas. I will post one uh, next week will be the final one of the year, obviously. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll give you all the, the best wishes for New Year's before then. So this one is a, everybody have a safe and fun Merry Christmas. And, um, you know, I hope wherever you are, you're having fun and you get to spend it with some great family or friends, or, you know, or people that you don't really get to see that often. You know, I feel like we all don't get to treat the day like it should. We're kind of just like, oh, thank you. Hello. How you doing? Oh, you got a gift for me? Oh, that's cool. Didn't really want one, but thank you. Blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Okay. Okay. We got to go. See you. We got other things to do. You know, it's a very like rush, rush, rush. And we don't get to like, you know, I remember back in the day, we would just kind of like always be going to somebody's house. And then, you know, you'd go to one or two or three people's houses. And then the the final one was the one you stayed at. And that one was finally, like, at the end. Um, nowadays, for me, I don't get to see my family too much, so it kind of sucks. But it's, I mean, it's so expensive to fly back during the holiday season. It's, like, triple the fucking price, so it's hard. Um, so I get to spend it with my wife's family, which is awesome, and get to know them a little bit more. Uh, but we only end up at one place. Or, no, wait, sorry. We go to Laura's mom's. So we go to two places. We go to Laura's mom's first, and then up to our final destination for dinner. But, I mean, that's not that much. But back in the day, we went to like 10. It was weird. But awesome. We had so many people to visit. But anyway, just take, don't take it for granted. Everybody, you know, try to hold on to the precious moments and hugs and laughter and, you know, try not to be a fucking shitheel to each other on Christmas. Even if you're a fucking stupid Trump supporter or you're fucking whatever. Whatever politics you want to fucking bring up. I'm not going to talk about it because it just infuriates me. Not that I give a fuck. I actually don't give a fuck about politics. I don't care who the fuck you vote for or what your religion is or what the fuck you do with your fucking life. Who gives a shit, right? Um, we're all just doing our thing. And if you want to vote for whoever the fuck you own, just don't, just don't rub it in people's face. Or, or you know, don't, don't, don't fucking, yeah, don't do that. Don't, because, uh, uh, you know, 
you wouldn't like that done to you about a bunch of shit. So nobody's throwing anything in your face. Don't throw it in their face. Okay? Just have fun with each other. Who cares about your politics, religion, and all that? And remember to tip your, tip your bartenders during the season, all right? Sorry for rambling on here a little bit. You know, it was a little whatever Merry Christmas thing. But no, everybody Merry Christmas. Um, you know, not trying to be a jackal. So everybody have fun and uh, be safe out there. Great? All right, late. Late. <laughs>